You guys are all excited and all ready. I like it a lot. Praise God. I don't know who's excited, more excited and who's inspiring who this morning, but it's always good when the, when the church is the church and, and we're alive and lively and ready to rock and roll. Praise God. Those of you that are online, uh, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we trust that this morning uh, the Word of God that you hear is going to bring light, it's going to bring life, it's going to bring some encouragement and comfort as well. And uh, I have, uh, last week I screamed and yelled a lot, and um, if you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to go back and, and listen to the message again. Uh, I, I just believe that the value of the Word of God, it's not because of what I preach or what I say necessarily, uh, but but it is the power of the Word of God. And we're doing a series that we're calling This, I Believe, and much of the reason for that, and this was a couple of months ago that I, I, I was sensing, feeling some different things. Uh, if you, I think most of you are aware, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of chaos in our country right now. There's just a lot of, uh, I've, I've used this phrase quite often, that the experts agree. Uh, the ex- regardless of whatever position it is that you want to argue for, there are experts that will tell you that that is the right position. And basically, we become people that, uh, that just uh, agree with one another, and we don't ever listen to anybody else. We don't talk to anybody else. And, and we've built our own little kind of systems of truth, if you will. And to, to try to cut through some of the, the chatter and the noise that is out there of the, this is what you should believe, and this is how you should act, and this is what you should do, uh, I, I shared with you last week, and I want to start where I started last week for a couple of very specific reasons this morning, because last week when I was kind of preaching and yelling and screaming and hollering and having a whole bunch of fun and, and, and telling you all kinds of stuff that, that most of you are already agree with and, and know that that's good, and that, but, but I want to take that a little bit farther over the next two weeks for sure, and, and, and try to cut through some of the stuff, if you will. Uh, there's an old preacher one time who said that when you were preaching, sometimes you need to be like a logger, uh, and many times people who cut down very, very, very big trees, they've got to clear a bunch of underbrush. They've got to clear some of the smaller or medium-sized trees, get those out of the way so that when the big tree goes down, it doesn't get tangled up in all of the other trees that are still around it, and you end up with more work and, and, and all of those things. And sometimes preaching is like that. When you want to drop something that's really, really big, you've got to kind of clear out some of the underbrush. You've got to clear out some of the stinking thinking sometimes and, and, and help people to, to understand a few things before the big truth can fall. And so last week I gave us a starting point about this I believe, and I, I, I gave you six different things that because I believe, that is my foundation, that is my cornerstone, because I believe, and, and I'm saying I, but it was kind of my little thesis, if you will, but, but it's something that is general to the body of Christ and something that is general to Scripture. Because I believe that God's Word is true, there's a confidence in my life. Because I believe that God is good, I, I've got peace. Because I believe that God is love, I, I, I have a security that I have. Because I believe that Jesus is coming again, I have a great hope. It isn't a hope that's based in this world system. And so when you start there, when you make that your foundation, everything else has to filter into place. And as followers of Christ, who should be first in our life? Come on, we're in church. This is the easiest question you're going to get asked today. <laughs> who should have number one place in our life? God does. Jesus does. The kingdom of God should. That should be number one in our life. That's what our life should start from and flow from. And so last week I started with this, and I've shared this scripture before, Judges chapter 17 and verse 6. In the book of Judges, this scripture shows up four times, uh, and, and it is a theme that reoccurs in this book. But it says this, in those days Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right 
in their own eyes. There was no final authority. There was no kingdom structure. And because of that lack of structure, because of that, that, that system that was out of whack, everybody started to set up their own little kingdoms, if you will. That's each, each tribe, if you will, each region had a, had a judge that ruled, a judge that taught. And, and that opened up the door to a lot of chaos, a lot of uh, spiritual decay, a lot of moral decay, as everybody began to do what was right in their own sight. And, and I feel that that's somewhat the day that we are in today, that everybody has just defaulted to doing what feels good, defaulted to doing what seems good, defaulted to doing whatever I think is the right thing to do. But if you don't have the right base for that... If you don't have the right foundation for that, it's going to lead you astray. I hope you understand that this morning. And so there's a passion that I have and an intensity that I speak from this morning because I feel that sometimes we have fallen as the body of Christ, as believers in Christ, we've fallen for the same thing. What we think and what we feel and, and what sounds good, that is what we're going to believe. And I've, I've made some statements to you over the last uh, a couple of uh, messages, and I'm going to this morning as well as next week, I, I'm kind of peeling the layers of an onion here, that, and I'm giving you a, a, a little bit, talk about it, give you a little bit more and talk about it, because I feel it is so important and so vital for the day that we, the body of Christ, are alive in. Regardless of what's going on around us, I hope you understand, regardless of what's happening in our world, in our country, in our home, in our state, whatever it is, regardless of what hap is happening, our mission has not changed for 2,000 years. Our mission is still the same mission. We are to seek and to save those that are lost. We are to be those disciples and followers of Christ who go into all the world preaching the gospel. Can I get an amen? amen. Our job hasn't changed one bit. And so again, uh, Paul said this to the church of Corinth. He said, there's a lot of voices that are out there. There's a lot of words that have gone out there. And he said, not all of them are, or none of them are without significance. There, there are significant words that are out there. And like in the book of Judges, there were these tribes that, that each had their own judge and their own systems. We similarly have the same thing. We have tribes. We have people that, that have kind of formulated around certain beliefs. And the church, the body of Christ, should be the same thing. And so what it is that you hear, what it is that you're listening to, what it is that you're giving your ear to becomes very, very, very important. I said this last week, I want to say it to you again, the conclusion that you arrive at, we spent a lot of time talking about the conclusion of your life, the conclusion that you arrive at, that conclusion that you arrive at will either be your greatest asset or your greatest liability. The Apostle Paul said it kind of like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. The weapons that we fight with, the Bible says we're to fight the good fight of faith, amen? So as we fight this good fight of faith, the weapons that we fight with are not weapons of this world. The things that are readily available to us that might feel good, sound good, whatever it is, the, 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 all of the different things that are out there, we don't have worldly weapons because we're fighting a spiritual battle. Worldly weapons are not going to be effective again in, in a spiritual battle. We need spiritual weapons, and that's what Paul is talking about here. The weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. Everybody say stronghold. Now, I think we all think we know what a stronghold is, but let me just help you for a moment. The stronghold of your mind, the stronghold in your thinking is a conclusion that you have arrived at. 
And that conclusion will either be your greatest asset or your greatest liability. I've made a similar statement to you, and I'm going to say it again, and we'll talk about it in the next two weeks. The conclusion that you arrive at is often based in the belief that you start with. The conclusion that you end up at, the conclusion that you arrive at, the conclusion that you stop at, that stronghold often is the result of the believing that you had when you went into it, whatever the the struggle was, whatever the moment was, and that becomes a stronghold, and that stronghold will either be a great asset or it'll be a great liability. There are strongholds in our thinking. It's the reason that last week I started with those six very basic things. This is a foundation. These are pillars. These are things that you should cement into your life right now so that when, not if, but when the storm comes, you have already developed some believing. And so again, verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against what? The knowledge of God. Every time, regardless of how it comes to you, whether it's me preaching or you, even in worship music, there's truth that can be in that. Uh, However it is that the knowledge of God comes into your life, understand that there will always be a competing truth. There will always be a competing belief that will come against it, that will try to dislodge you from your believing. And many times it's through the ear gates, the eye gates, it's through what we allow access into our life from, the influences that we allow access into our life. And so again, we demolish arguments and every pretension that would set itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I need to change how I think about something. If I want to eradicate strongholds from my life, it's going to start with me thinking differently. Now here's the thing. I was talking with Sandra this morning just a little bit, and and here's the thing about strongholds. Many times, we, don't, we aren't even aware that the strongholds are there. We aren't even aware that the conclusion, that we, we, we aren't aware that we've arrived at conclusions, which is why I highly recommend you be here next week. I so want to preach next week today, but I can't because I got to drop some other trees first. <laughs> but it's going to be so good, <laughs> I hope, <laughs> after making that statement. You see, this I believe, that this series and what we talked last week, I, I, I so want there to be a foundation in your life. I want there to be an anchor in your life because everything around us is shifting. We live in a day that it seems like everything is compressed. That there is so much happening, and, and part of it is just because of you know the news cycle. It's 24-7, social media, and all of the other things that are out there. We're so tethered to our telephone, to information, that we're just inundated. We're flooded with it. And we need something that's not going to be up and down, in and out, back and forth, and shifting in our life. That's why this, I believe, there's a lot of voices out there, but what's the voice I'm going to believe? What's the voice that I am going to allow access and influence into my life? So, these two statements. We often, and this is going to sound a little bit strange, we often mistake our beliefs for the truth. We often mistake our beliefs for the truth. We think that it's the believing of something that makes it true. If I believe it, well, then it must be true. How many of you have ever believed something and found out later it wasn't true? How many of you have ever argued with people about something and then later found out it's not true? Man, you're passionate about it right up until you... I see wives looking at their husbands right now. (laughs) I mean, we've all been passionately arguing about something right up until the point it's like, 
oh, nuts. I'm wrong. It isn't your believing that makes something true. So let me ask this question to you. Let me ask you to consider something this morning. What truths are you believing that may or may not be true? What are you convinced about in your life right now that maybe it's not even true? Maybe you keep stumbling over it. Maybe you keep tripping over it, and you wonder why it's the way that it is in your life or in relationships or, or in your job or in whatever it is. You keep tripping over these things. What if you're believing something, and it's not true? The belief that you have before you go into something is going to determine the conclusion that you arrive at. For my life, my dad said a, a sentence, and my dad was a man of very, very few words. And my dad said a sentence to me that set the course of my, my teenage years. He said, you're an accident waiting for a place to happen. Now, he met it funny like some of you. But man, I took that to heart. And for whatever reason, that just sunk deep down into my belief system. And so the belief that I went into everything that I did in life, schoolwork, sports, and people, and everything else, the belief that I had was that I'm an accident waiting for a place to happen. And the moment that that accident happened, it confirmed the, the belief that I had, which is why I often say to you, <laughs> you will always act like the person that you believe yourself to be. Let me say that again. You will always act like the person you believe yourself to be. And I'm here to tell you this morning, there are competing truths out there. You receive the knowledge of God on a weekly basis, a daily basis. You receive the knowledge of God, and it challenges the conclusions that you have arrived at. You've received the knowledge of God, and it challenges some of the aspects of your life. And, and because, because we've, we are so settled in what we believe is being true, we reject actual truth. I don't know if this is making sense to you this morning. And, and so I want to introduce a, not introduce, reintroduce for some of you. Maybe this is the first time you've heard this. But I'm calling it the law of hearing. The law of hearing. Actually, I'm not calling it. It's been out there. The law of hearing. It all starts with what you hear. Words are so vital. They are so important. The book of Proverbs says uh, life and death, health and life, or life and death are in the power of the tongue. Words give life, words bring death, words can cut, and words can heal. Words are very, very powerful. Apostle Paul said, said the scripture last week, we have believed, therefore we speak. We speak what we believe. Jesus said, out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth will speak. Whatever's on the inside of us in abundance is going to come out of our mouth, and words are powerful. They're powerful. I've said this often, that words are like containers, Words are containers. Words contain things. Words are, are fillers. In, in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, Scripture says this, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If you want more faith in your life, there's one source only. The B-I-B-L-E. Yep, that's a book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. That's a song, by the way. <laughs> Sung back when everything was black and white. <laughs> Words are containers. God's word is a container of faith. 
As you get God's word, it brings faith to you. Faith cometh, faith cometh. Faith, as somebody said, faith has legs. Faith arrives as I get the word of God. Your words, the words that you receive and the words that you speak, those words are containers. So the law of hearing, sorry about that back in the back back there, but the law of hearing, I want to give you two thoughts this morning. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 18, Jesus said this, therefore, because of things he'd already said, therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Everybody say how. There is a, an importance in how we listen to things. I, uh, I love barbecue. And I like smoking barbecue. And I, I, I uh, last night I was, <laughs> last night, so I have an Apple Watch and my text messages go to my Apple Watch and it vibrates, the sound is off bzz, 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 when I get a text message. I, during worship last night, also my watch is going bzz, 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 bzz. I'm like, man, something's going on. Bzz, bzz. Get done and there's 12 texts that I had missed. I have a couple of son-in-laws that love to barbecue. I have a brother-in-law that loves to barbecue and, and a couple of others that love to barbecue. Somebody had barbecued brisket and beef ribs and had a picture of it, and everybody else was commenting on it. Now, the reason that I say that to you is because we, we love barbecue. We love talking about it. We like understanding why things react the way that they do to smoke and heat and low heat and, and, and the rendering process that happens and, and the stall that can happen. And, and, and it is done when it's done. It isn't done in an hour. It isn't done in two hours. It is done when the internal temperature is 203 degrees. And that might be 12 hours. It might be 15 hours. Now, we like talking about that. Do you know what other people, this is what they do. They don't want to hear it. And you know what? There are some people like, have you heard about the latest this and that? And they're like, what? See, be careful how you hear. Be careful. The intensity that you give to your listening, be discerning. Because there's an attitude that is involved in listening. There's a leaning in to the right things and a leaning away from the wrong things. And so again, Jesus said, therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. In other words, what you give your ear to, you're going to get an earful of. And it's going to have a compounding interest type thing in your life, and it's going to expand. It's going to get greater and greater. Then he says, whoever does not have even what they think they have will be taken from them. Now, Mark records that just a little bit differently. Mark says, says this, if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. How many of you understand this morning that just because these little flaps on the side of your head are on the side of your head doesn't mean you always hear? How many of you have kids? How many of you have a spouse? How many of you have ever been asked, are you listening to me? My mom, are you listening? Can you hear me? It's like, mom, the whole neighborhood heard. <laughs> then why aren't you doing what I said to do? <laughs> Just because we have ears doesn't mean that we always hear, that we always listen, that we always know what's going on. So again, <laughs> he says in verse 24, consider carefully what you hear. Jesus in, in Luke's gospel said how you hear, the attitude, the intensity, what it is that we're opening up our ears to. But then he says in this place, the law of hearing, again, consider carefully what it is that you are hearing. He continued with the measure that you use, the measure that you use, a little bit of hearing, a little bit of intensity, a lot of hearing, a lot of intensity. <laughs> with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you and even more. 
It'll be measured to you and even more. You get more of what you pay attention to. I said it to you this way a couple of weeks ago, and I think I may have I've said it a couple of times. If, if your consumption of media and, and social platforms, if your consumption of news, if your consumption of those influences outpaces your consumption of things of the kingdom of God, of the spirit of God, of the word of God, then much of your fear, much of your worry, much of your anger, much of those things are self-inflicted because what you give your ear to, you're going to get more of. If you can't sleep at night, then shut the news off. So there's power in hearing. What you hear and how you hear, it is our responsibility. I can't do this for you. We can give you opportunities. You, can, you, can ha- you have a plethora of opportunities presented to you. But we can't make that happen. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. These words are containers. And God's word contains faith. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news. I'm not ashamed of the message of Christ, Paul says. For it is the power of God. How many of you would like to have a little more power of God in your life? Anyone? Amen. It is the power of God. The word of God, the gospel of Christ, it is the power of God. If I'm, if I'm asking God for power, then really what I'm asking God for is his word. I'm asking for a release of faith. I'm asking for, 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 for that power to be manifest. But notice what Paul said. Again, he says, uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God to salvation for everyone. And I love that. Everybody say everyone. everyone. Who qualifies for salvation? Everyone, everyone does. Not just good people, right people, you know, smart people, not just the, 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 the chosen ones. Everyone. This gospel is power that brings salvation to everybody. Who what? What is the qualifier for the power of God? You see, some of you have, the belief system that you have when you go into something will determine the conclusion that you arrive at. Some of you think that the power of God is predicated on how good you are. Some of you think that God doing something in your life is based on, or, or God not doing something in your life is, is based on the idea that, well, you know what, you screwed up over here, and you know you come from a long line of screw-ups, and so you know it might be your mom and dad, it might be somebody else, it might, you're just screwed over because your life is screwed up, and there's nothing you can do about it. It's not what this says. So now a, complete, a competing belief from the word of God is going to challenge the belief system that's in your life. Is this making sense this morning? He said that the gospel of Christ is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes the Jew first, also the Gentile, which was, which was just news. That was shocking. Wait a minute. Wait. All right, we understand that the Jews can get on, on the goodness of God, but not the Gentiles. Uh-uh. No, this is for everybody. And it starts with the word of God. And so, words are containers. Our beliefs open up, the con- what we believe opens up the container, if you will. It is the action of believing. Sometimes it's the action of speaking. Sometimes it's the action of just physically taking a step. Sometimes it might be this, just worshiping God. Well, I don't understand why i got to raise my hand. I don't know either. The Bible says to do it. And something happens. We lift up holy hands to the Lord. It is a, a sign of surrender. It is a sign of release. It is, it is, God, I need you in my life. 
yeah, but I feel funny. Sorry, you look funny too. <laughs> we all do. So, the experts agree. And I've used that in a natural way. I've used that in, 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 in light of, of what's going on in life around us. But sometimes the experts agree, and we have settled for that conclusion of what the experts agree. Story in the Bible, in the book of, well, it's all through the Bible. Abraham, Abram first, and then his name was later changed to Abraham. His wife, Sarai, and then changed to Sarah. And the story of Abraham is that God made a promise to Abraham, or Abram at the time, but he made a promise. And he said, Abraham, you're gonna, Abraham and his wife were about 75 years old, said, you're going to be the father of many nations. Your offspring are going to be like the stars of heaven. Your offspring are going to be like the sea, like the sand on the seashore. It's, it's just, there's too many to count. Now, Abraham and Sarah had a bit of a problem that maybe God must not have known because, <laughs> because they were 75 years old. And you know how many kids they had? Nada. Zero. Now, you don't make a promise like that to somebody that's never had kids. You don't make a, pro <laughs> you don't make a promise like that to somebody that has never been able to conceive. But God does. Now, the experts agreed. The experts, every single expert, every doctor, every whatever, every, all the data points, everything led to the same conclusion. It is impossible for Abraham and for Sarah to have any kids, let alone, let alone generations upon generations upon generations. Impossible. The experts agreed. I think to a certain extent, Abraham and Sarah sort of understood that. They, they're like, man, this is impossible. All of the experts were right here, and all of the experts agreed, except then there was one expert, and his name is God, and he disagreed. So notice what happens. This is in Romans chapter 4 and verse 17. <clears throat> Somewhere in my notes. As it is written, this is God speaking, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. When God said this, they had zero kids. And I don't want to get too graphic, but reproductive possibilities were impossible at that point. Nothing worked. To make it just a, a, a little clearer. I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things that do not exist as though they did. God speaks things and says things that are not in existence, and he talks about them like they do exist. And that's faith. That's God disagreeing with the expert. You see, our perspective of life, and I've found this really, really interesting. Anybody ever heard of Robert Young? Uh, you're thinking of the wrong Robert Young. Yep, that's Robert Young, but there's another one. There's an 1800s Robert Young. I thought I'd catch you on that one. Gordy right away. He's, I know who that is. Father knows best. <laughs> Marcus Welby, MD, yeah. All right, all right, all right. Well, that's not, that's the wrong Robert Young. Robert Young was a, was a Greek and Hebrew scholar in the 1800s. He wrote a couple of books and Bibles and, 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 and Greek and Hebrew uh, um, uh, Bible, things like that. And so he, would anal he, he was an expert, analyzed the language. Now, in our vernacular, when we as Americans speak, <clears throat> we, have, we have tenses, past, present, and future. We th talk about what happened. We talk about what might happen or what's going to happen. And we talk about what is now. Well, Robert Young, and, and, and so... We in this 
earthly system, this earthly structure, we're governed by time. Unless you're a meat barbecue and then it's temperature. But anyway, we're governed by time. <laughs> My mouth just started to cry a little bit. <clears throat> we're governed by time. Past, present, and future. God's not governed by time. God is the one who sees the beginning from the end. God is the one who is constantly in the now, right now. The Hebrew language was constructed. This is according to, to Dr. Young. The Hebrew language was instructed, constructed with only two tenses, past and present. There is no future tense. When you would go back and examine the, 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 the Hebrew writings, tenses were added for our understanding, but often they weren't in the, the original manuscripts. Uh, I want to read this to you, what, what he had said. The Hebrews were in the habit of using the past tense to express the certainty of an action taking place, even though the action might not really be performed for some time. So it was totally in character of God, and it was totally in character of the Hebrews to understand that when God said, I have made you the father of many nations, we might think, well, God, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't compute. That doesn't seem right. Are you trying to pull one over on us? You've got two people that have never conceived. There's deadness in their womb. There's deadness in his loins. There's deadness there. And yet you say, they're not just going to have a kid. They're going to have generations upon generations and nations of children. How can you say that, God? Because God sees things differently than we do. And part of the conclusion that we arrive at is based on our seeing and the tenses of our life, past, present, future. So Abraham's perspective. So here, here we have the experts agree. Abraham, Sarah, too bad. God says, you know what? I'm making you a promise, Abraham. You're going to have kids. Not just, you're gonna have a, not just a kid. You're going to have a bunch of kids. Now here's Abraham in the middle. Sort of like monkey in the middle. Abraham in the middle. Abraham in the middle. He's got a decision to make. Am I going to agree with the experts? Am I going to agree with God? You and I have the same decision every moment, every day of our life. Am I going to agree with the experts? Am I going to agree with the voices that are in my head? Am I going to agree with the pictures that I have from the past that now are projecting into my future? Am I going to agree with the experts? But now I'm being faced with the exceeding great and precious promises of a heavenly father who said he loved me. And what he's saying is different than what the experts are saying. Who am I going to agree with? Who am I going to turn my ears to? Who am I going to lean into and who am I going to lean away from? What influence, what voice? Romans 4.18. Who, contrary to hope, all of the experts, they agreed there was no hope. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. What caused him, what enabled him to become the father of many nations? It was what he believed. His believing, before he went into something, affected the outcome at the end. Instead of believing what the experts said, he believed what God said, and something happened. And, and, and this, for me, is... is probably the most important point that I want you to get this morning. Because this is not hard to get here. This isn't impossible. This is not beyond you. You, every single one of us in this house this morning, have the same capacity to have the same kind of faith that Abraham had. Because of what that faith was based on. 
Notice what he said again, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what? According to what was spoken. He became the father of many nations because of what God said. And because he chose to believe what God said rather than what the experts said. And he goes on and he says, and being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, unable to produce. He didn't, he didn't consider what his body was telling him. He's about 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, she was not able to produce as well. Verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. Unbelief is a decision. We say decision. Unbelief is a decision to not believe something. The experts agree, God said. Unbelief is a decision to not believe what God said and to agree with the experts. Or unbelief can be a decision to disagree with, not believe what the experts say, and agree with God. This is part of the fight of faith. Verse 20 again, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. I think that some of our problem is a convincing problem. We've not been convinced. And the way that we get convinced is by spending time with God. The way that we get convinced is to spend time in his presence. And so I want to present to you, and we could, we could go from today until tomorrow and, and not exhaust every single one of them. I want to give you two things that God said about you. And that perhaps the conclusion that you've arrived at in your life is different. Because you're believing before the events of life happened. Because your believing was wrong, you arrived at a wrong conclusion. 1 John 5. You see, every child of God. How many of you are children of God this morning? He didn't say some children of God. He didn't say only American children of God. He said every child of God. Kingdom of God, kingdom birth trumps every other birth. It trumps every other culture. It trumps everything. Every child of God overcomes the world. For our faith, what's our faith in? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. For our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. There's a lot of shifting sand in our world today. There's a lot of upheaval in our world today, but our faith, so this I believe, this I believe is what conquers all of those things that triumphs. Verse 5, so who are the world over conquerors? Who are the world conquerors? Who are they? Those that are defeating its power. It is those who simply believe that Jesus is the Son of God. How powerful is what you believe? How powerful is your belief before you go into something? Believe right now. Apostle Paul told us in Ephesians chapter 6. Take the shield of faith. Take the shield of faith. Take the shield of faith. Do you know how we treat faith? We treat faith like a band-aid. After the event, after the pain, after the hurt, then we, then, hey, can you pray? Hey, can you help me? Hey, can you do something? I don't speak that to condemn. I, I speak that, 
let's get the foundation right. Let's take the time while it's maybe peaceful in our life. Let's take the time to fortify. Let's take the time to strengthen so that when the event happens, it's a shield of faith that preserves and protects rather than after the fact trying to, trying to get some, some, some disinfectant on it and, 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 and try to treat it that way. Far more effective. So who are the world overconquerors that defeat its power? It's those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, he says, I pray with great faith for you because I'm fully convinced, come through a process of persuasion to a settled conclusion. Abraham was convinced that he that had promised was able also to perform. And here Paul is saying, because I'm fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you, if God, if God is strong enough and powerful enough to take the old dead nature that was in you, and by your confession of faith, confessing that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, that he is able by the Spirit of God and the Word of God and the power of God to change that nature on the inside of you so that you become a new creation in Christ. Old things pass away and all things become brand new. If God is that powerful and that strong and that glorious and that great, if God can do that, do you not think that God is strong enough? And powerful enough that his grace is not able enough to get you from where you started to get you to where God wants you to end up? That's what Paul's saying here. I am convinced. I'm, I'm praying this for you. I know you're tripping up and I know that you're, that, that, that you're jumping to wrong conclusions. I know that those things are going on in your life. But this is what I, I'm convinced that God is big enough. If God has defeated the devil, if God has defeated the, the, the you know, death and the grave and hell and, and, and defeated the power of sin, if God did all of that, then the rest of it, man, it's, it's, it's easy. Yeah, but Paul, it doesn't seem easy. It's because our believing is wrong. Oh. I'm fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you will faithfully continue, this is the word we hate, the process. The process. Man, battles are won and lost in the process. But that's where the, pro the promise is on the other side of the process. You got to go through the process to get the promise. Don't quit while you're in the process. There are some of these things that are designed to strengthen your faith. God wants you to trust him in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the storm. God wants you to trust him in all of those things because when you trust him and, and you find him bringing you through those difficult, and I'm not saying that God causes the difficulty. I'm not saying that God causes the pain that is in your life. I'm not saying that God causes, uh, you know, whatever it might be that, that, that is bothering you right now. I'm not saying that God is the source of that because God is a good God. But those things that the enemy meant to destroy you, those things that the enemy meant to defeat you, the, those things that the enemy is trying to use to trip you up, to stop your progress, to stop the process in your life. When you overcome those things, when you're believing at the beginning is, hey, the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, hey, I'm a believer in Christ. I'm a child of God. And Jesus, you said, I'm a world overcomer. And it's painful and it's hard, but I'm going through this thing. I'm not stopping. I'm going through. I'm going to keep declaring that God is faithful. I'm going to keep declaring that God is good. I'm going to keep declaring and trusting that God is going to bring me through this thing because he's going to perfect, he's going to strengthen, and you will find your strength, uh, your faith being strengthened in the midst of the trial. 
So don't quit. Don't give up. It's a message of the New Testament. Somehow, well, I'll try to make this the last point. Somehow we've, our believing at the beginning has been that everything's just going to work out. That, hey, if Jesus loves me, if God's all-powerful, then I'm never going to have a problem. You do not find that in the Bible. All those who live godly in Christ Jesus, the Bible says, are going to suffer persecution. The experts say this, and God said that, and we are in between. And there will always be resistance of some type, of some nature, from some place that is going to try to move you away from what God has said. And so the question becomes, am I going to listen to God? Am I going to listen to my feelings? Am I going to listen to the experts? Or am I going to go my own way? This is the battle of the Christian life. This is the fight of faith. There's so much more I want to say to you. (laughs) And I'll say it next week. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Let's pray. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you so much for this congregation of men and women. I thank you for those that are watching and listening online. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you've helped me to say something that would be of light, light into our life, that would be of value, but more so that it would be truth that would remain, truth that would last, something sticky to it. And Father, for those that are right now in the midst of a battle, for those who might be hurting, those who might be confused, those who might be feeling like God's not for them, that God's against them, I pray, Heavenly Father, that the truth would bring freedom into their life. That even though it seems dark and hopeless, I thank you that the Word of God spoken today brings light and life and hope to their believing. We believe for different outcomes, Father. We believe for a breakthrough. We believe, Father, for our sorrow and our mourning to be turned into joy and dancing. Thank you, Father. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never surrendered to him, you've never experienced the power of God and what Jesus referred to as the new birth, it all starts with believing and saying something. The Apostle Paul wrote these words. He said that, that if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, if we would confess with our mouth that he is Lord, we will be saved. There's a supernatural event that happens on the inside of us simply by believing and saying, by faith. And so if you're here today and you've never confessed Jesus as your Lord and you would like to today, would you just slip your hand up real high? I want to I pray with you today. I want to just lead you in a simple prayer. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. Anyone at all who would say, Pastor, I, I, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Father. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, again, I thank you for these men and women. I ask you to bless them. I thank you that you've already blessed them with all blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And I thank you that you are more than enough for any situation that they will face. I thank you that you go before them, that you make the crooked places straight, that you would exalt every valley and make every mountain low before them. And I thank you for that in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen.